Imagine living your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, your master certified coach and midlife mentor. And I'm so glad to be here with you again for this week's episode, which is all about how to turn your part-time gig into a full-time gig with Catherine Lazur. Now, I know this is a topic that you might be thinking about yourself. So when I met Catherine, I was excited for her to share her story. Catherine is a midlife empty nester who has had to pivot her career many times. Now she's finally pursuing her passion, but she had to figure it all out. And like so many, there were clues along the way, but they were clues. She didn't put it all together just yet. As Catherine described, she had had a very robust and alternative career where she had been in many positions and a lot of the time through no fault of her own, she had to move on. These situations happen to so many of us. And in fact, it happened to me too when I got laid off. The thing is, it's common not to know exactly how to deal with it and to know what the right direction to go is from here. Like you just don't know right away. And that is pretty normal. Catherine listened to her heart and ultimately turned her part-time gig into her full-time gig and now runs CL Executive Services, where she offers virtual executive solutions to small to mid-sized companies. I know you're going to love hearing her story about not settling and pursuing what you're passionate about. So please enjoy this interview. Hi, Catherine. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Women in the Middle podcast. Hi, Susie. It's great to be here. Thank you. All right. So the reason I was curious about having you on the podcast and excited to have you share your story is because you, like so many amazing women in the middle, have a side gig that they are really hoping will become the real gig. (laughs) And so that's the story that I want you to dive into. But before we get there on how you um, got going on the real gig, Let's talk a little bit about your roots and where you came from um, professionally. What was going on for you over the last few years? Well, I um, when I graduated from business college, um, I was I dove into headfirst into retail management. They shoved me into a store and said, "Make it produce." And uh, but I had two small children at the time, and I that was a huge challenge. Because uh, my ex-husband also was on three days on, three days off, 12-hour, you know, rotating shifts. There's a lot of people out there that have to deal with these daycare issues. Um, they were a daycare nightmare. And I actually decided I would quit my full-time job and um, dive in deeper to childcare Because believe it or not, we talk about the influences of even things as a child, you know, growing up. And in high school, I actually had a cop doing speech pathology and behavioral management. So I took that and I took the fact that I was loving being a leader with Girl Guides of Canada and Scouts Canada. And I thought then I got to run around the gym and act like an idiot. And no one asked why or thought you're crazy, (laughs) you know. And I thought, why not bring those two things together, that form of play, but education and solve other people's daycare woes. And also I had the pleasure of doing that uh, for almost 14 years in Oshawa, Ontario, east of Toronto. 
And um, Ooh, one thing that, that just comes to mind right away is early on, you exercised a really important skill, and that is noticing what you like and sometimes combining two things that you like to create something new. That's a really creative skill. And you did it. And I just have a feeling that that same skill has served you well over the years. Oh, gosh. I mean, I mean, if I was really, to be honest with you, um, you know, you talk about people ask, you know, when did you catch the entrepreneurial bug? You know, and yeah. and uh, and they were like, oh, so was that it? Did you have aspirations of opening up a daycare in high school? No, um, I, I was going to be a teacher or a journalist because I love to write as well. Um, but way back and I'm talking like grade five, six, you know, kind of thing. A lot of people our age may have been a part of junior achievement. And I remember going to this one General Motors plant in Oshawa, and we created out of wood and chained these square wooden plant hangers. And we got to come up with the concept, we marketed it, and then we sold it um, and made money. And that to me was really what started the whole entrepreneurial book. <laughs> I'm totally cracking up because I have a junior, a junior achievement experience too. And I haven't thought about it in ages, which is ironic because I have the thing that I made that our group made on my desk. Now, I know you can't see it while you're listening to the podcast, but maybe you can hear it. What I'm spinning is called a blockum. <laughs> and it was now my junior achievement experience was a little older. I was in high school and I don't remember the name of the company that donated these ball bearings, but it's a large ball bearing about an inch in diameter that and it sits on a bunch of tiny ball bearings and it's drilled into a base. And this blockum, and again, I don't even know why we called it that, but it was meant to be a fidgety, widgety kind of toy for your desk, something that you could fit. Aren't they called fidget? Like fidget, fidget spinners, honey, you should have patented that. <laughs> fidget spinners are making millions of dollars. <laughs> Maybe it was the original. <laughs> but boy, did we have fun coming up with the idea. Oh, my gosh. So now that you mention it, this wasn't the first one because this was in high school. Uh, the first time that I got my hands and feet wet with uh, being an entrepreneur, the first time was calligraphy when I was um, in grade seven, grade seven, eight. But this blockum was super fun. And here it sits on my desk and it has been on every desk that I've ever had since then. So I, <laughs> I love that you a junior achievement. That's so great. So so then what happened? So you found your way into daycare for 14 years. And then what next? Yeah. Um, and I managed to grow that company. Um, we facilitated. Uh, I, w I went I went nuts. Like you said, the creative juices are flowing and it's how many more people can I help? How many more people can I serve? How many kids can I help? What can I do for them? And so I took that speech pathology, behavioral management. And then I thought there, you know, some of the older siblings of some of the kids that were in my daycare, they needed before and after school care. But I didn't drive because I'm visually impaired. So what was the solution to that? Taxi chits. We had cats <laughs> going back and forth um, with these kids, transporting them and stuff. And I managed to grow that um, into from a typical 25, 30K a year income to a six-figure income. It was time to do, you know, something different. So there was, you know, economic issues in my town, you know, with uh, different things pulling out and things closing down at the time. It just had that domino effect. 
And so I decided to take my management skills and go help somebody else manage their company. Um, and I ended up diving into a welding company. Now, you might ask, what did I know about welding? <laughs> what did I know about pipe welding? Nothing. I couldn't tell you the difference between carbon steel to stainless, uh, to be honest with you. Um, but after, what, six, eight weeks, I learned to read plans. I learned to pick them apart. I used to source things. But the other main part of my job is, and this is the mean potatoes of every business, you have your marketing, you have your advertising, you have your policies and procedures, you've got your HR, um, you know, and your website building, your social media building. And it doesn't matter what your business is. Give me a business and I can run with it. And from there, I decided to climb the corporate ladder, get into wearing a suit instead of steel toes to the office and uh, entered the world of C-suite executive assistant. So being that right hand to that Fortune 500 CEO and multiple other directors. Um, one of my placements, especially, um, I tease and I use the analogy now that I wear a lot of hats, but then I really did. You know, I had four directors. I was the manager of 50 employees. I was all their vendor and stakeholder engagement. It was incredible. It was undertaking like crazy busy, but I loved it. And from there, I went to a national nonprofit, which was cool. So I got to enter the whole world of governance and strategic direction and policies and, and just massive conferences, you know, where I'm responsible for running around like a chicken with its head cut off with catering and AV and, you know, 850 people flying in from all over the country and that kind of thing. And again, I loved it. Um, I had the opportunity of actually being a deputy executive director and getting a brand new nonprofit right off the ground in less than wow. six months. Super exciting. Super exciting. So I guess when I met you, I met you in a networking group, an online networking yeah. group. And I know the uh, one of the recent episodes I did talked about the importance of community building. It was episode 218 and uh, online communities. And that was where we met. And what I noticed was you were really excited about your part-time gig. And so I met you when you had the part-time gig and you were up to your ears busy with your full-time gig, but really dreaming and loving your part-time gig. So tell me what, what that was like. Like, when did you get the idea to start something on the side? I like to call them jobbies. <laughs> um, well, originally, um, I was between assignments when the pandemic hit, you know, in March of 2020. And I was between EA jobs and everything I was applying to was suddenly coming down and I'm getting the, sorry, we're not hiring right now. It's a hiring freeze and that kind of thing. And I thought, okay, it's time to do to, for myself and my family. Um, even though right now it's only my husband and I, you know, we're empty nesters, but um, you still need to keep a roof over your head. So I'm not ready to retire. So um, I started CL Executive Solutions, taking my executive C-suite and office management and operations background and serving the small business community that I've always been passionate about helping. And because they don't have the budget to hire somebody full-time. They don't have fifty dollars to $60,000 to hire, you know, an operations manager, an administrator, or, or web developer, or anything. And so I thought perhaps I could help them with just little blocks of time. And so I started. Now, mind you, of course, like any small business owner, we all know you got to pay your dues. There's rocks to climb, you know, kind of thing before you're actually really making anything. And um, it was making a little bit. I had a couple of clients when you and I met 
and it still wasn't quite enough. And like so many other entrepreneurs, you hit that bit of a pitfall and you're kind of going, "Uh oh, you know what I mean? Like the credit cards are up there and now it's getting serious. So I did actually take a remote EA position and was, again, their right hand to their CEO and executive vice president, um, shifted it even into an HR coordinator role um, because they were growing by leaps and bounds. And I do have that background. So I was able to do those screening and interviewing for them. And um, six months later, almost the day, I hired my replacement, which was a full-time HR manager. Mm-hmm. And um, unbeknownst to me. <laughs> kind of um, so... I thought to myself, I really wasn't happy. And I tried talking to her and I thought, you know what? It's time to go. And well, hang on a second. It's time to go. So that thought is something that so many people struggle with because it is scary. So you had an idea of something that you could be doing, but it wasn't like a guaranteed home run at this point at all. But you had the thought it might be time to go. Like when I had that thought, I stayed in that confusion for five years. And I've talked about that many times on the podcast. I was overwhelmed with fear and confusion. And I I just couldn't budge. I was so desperate to have a plan that was certain, which is ridiculous because no plans are certain. And if the pandemic has taught us anything, (laughs) that's for sure. So you had the thought it's time to go. What was that like for you to have that realization? I'm very thankful um, that at least I've got a very supportive and understanding partner. I mean, when him and I met, um, because we're together 14 years now, we'll be married for 10 years come next month. And I had my daycare business when we met. So he already knew I had that entrepreneurial spirit and was very self-sufficient and that kind of thing. So when I approached him and I said, I'm not happy. Like, I mean, it's, and I think when we, As women, we have so much that we take on. You know, we've got our kids. And in my case, I've got a grandson and, you know, our jobs and keeping the house up and having time with our partners. And it stretches us. You know, you're always trying to, even as a a woman, we're wearing a lot of hats. So So, true. And so I thought, you know what? I'm grumping to him. I'm grumping at my kids. I am snapping at my grandson. Like, you know, you're miserable when. And I thought, I need to turn this around. I need to make myself happy. And what am I happiest doing? I am happiest serving the business community, especially small businesses. Because I thought about it going, is there someone else that was like me when I was running my daycare here? I'm making six figures a year. And I have to ask you, Susie, I think the part that a lot of people have about um, their businesses is that's their baby and they have a hard time giving up control. And I'm totally thinking, here. I'm making six figures a year. Can you please tell me why I was disinfecting toys every Saturday morning? I can <laughs> hire somebody to do that, you know? So it's the same for this. It doesn't matter whether you're a coach or whether you're a consultant or you're a financial planner. Um, you know, there are areas in our business where if we're really truly honest with ourselves, we lack, you know, and I didn't let maybe areas in my business for me hold me back. So I'm thinking, no, I've, I'm pretty well-rounded. And you know what? I know people in other areas that if I fall short, I've got support. So I went to my husband and I said, it's time for me to be for me. You know, I want this to be full-time. And um, he gave me a kiss and said, go for it. And wow. that, that networking, you know, um, community that 
you and I met in, I then came back with my biggest offer ever that I thought I'm going to make this community an offer they cannot refuse and get my clients booked, bang, on my calendar. And so I came out with a $99 off any package for your first three months, you know, and uh, with their free consultation and signed nine clients after four networking events. And that's what really got me started. I mean, sure. Did I lose money in the beginning? Of course I did. You know, you figure times nine clients, um, nine times a hundred bucks, that's 900 times three months. You know, that cost me almost $3,000 to do that promo, but it also got me nine or 10 clients. So exactly. So, So, and what was the thought you had that this was going to happen no matter what? That when I took a look at my life, and I've had many different roles, I have had a very long career in a multitude of different areas, and, uh, you know, different roles and everything that I've done. And I thought, what truly made me happy? Where was I happier? And where did I feel that I fit? You know, or, and, and it's only when I started picking and really taking a look at where I was happy, where was I really sad to leave? What was I doing at the time? You know, and um, when I made that list, because I'm big on lists, you know, pros, cons, where was I happiest? Where was I miserable? What are the things I love doing? What are the things I really don't like doing? And um, I think that it's important to actually document that. because Ah, Oh my gosh, Catherine, I agree. I think writing it down, and this is something we do when we're doing thought downloads, getting stuff out of your head. It is so important to write it down because there's something also that happens in the act of actually writing it and then in the act of observing it. It's almost like it becomes more real or more validated or something. But when it's in your head only, it's just too easy to spin on it. And and then we can't even remember how we were spinning because then there's the whole, you know, (laughs) what was I thinking? What did I come into this room for? So there's just too much going on. So I think it's such an act of self-care to take a minute or two and just write down what you're thinking so that you can write it and look at it and look at it again and look for those patterns. So what were some of those things that were so consistent for you? For me, it was um, independence, not, you know, I loved being my own boss. Mm -hmm. I don't. But I mean, then to some degree, I'm still a consultant. So I mean, you know, I I have my clients and obviously I'm taking direction as far as what their wants and needs are. And um, but that was the same even with my daycare business. I had clients there and I was taking into account. And, you know, sometimes you got to bite your tongue and go, yes, sir. No, that's good. I can I can do that. (laughs) But what's the fine line? What's that balance here that it's independent enough, even though you're consulting? I make my own hours. Mm. You know, I, I don't have to get up at five 30 in the morning and leave the house by six 15 to go catch a go train to go downtown to then get on a subway. Cause that's what I was doing (laughs) every day. And, um, it was, it was making my own hours, being my own boss, um, having the creative freedom to develop different concepts, different things that I really wanted to do. Um, really taking what I had done in the past, which I have a strong marketing background and I even rebranded a multi-million dollar company, um, help with that. So when I thought, 
But again, they've got big dollars and I've always had a passion for the small business community. So I just wanted to take everything that I know that I can give because I've always been a giver. Um, You know, I've always had a very strong humanitarian heart and that folds over and floods over into my business. And it was just that balance of, yeah, being my own boss, making my own hours, being creative, you know, coming up with these different incentives, marketing and advertising campaigns. And as you said, the importance of networking. So then it was, okay, what can I do to become that one-stop shop for all business needs? Because obviously, as I said, I'm not perfect. I'm not great at everything. So, but I want to be there for the business community. So I wanted to create something that I know is a little different because I know there are a multitude of different um, sourcing and outsourcing and VA companies out there. And, um, but I wanted to create something a little different. And what I've done is I have joint venture partnered with other small business owners like me, but the difference being they've all been in their separate individual industries for 10 years or more. So none of them are, you know, fresh out of college or anything like that. These are seasoned professionals and that's who I trust to do my business. And that's who I felt I could vet to have other small business owners utilize their services and literally be that one-stop shopping for all your small business needs. So it's really, it was a very creative solution, right? I think really, because you looked at what you really wanted to do and you wanted, uh, you recognize that you're still a small business and that you can't go hiring a whole bunch of people either, right? So that's really interesting. But the one question I really want you to dig into just a little bit more is what were you thinking that created confidence instead of fear? Because you really took a leap of faith and you went all in. So you, you can't have a, it's like, you, you know, it's not certain, but there was something that you were thinking that was moving you in that direction. Do you know what it was? It was finding out something about myself that I didn't realize was there until it was pointed out by many others. Ooh, what was that? And I say that because I was actually speaking to a group of entrepreneurs on stage on behalf of one of the organizations that I was previously affiliated. And I started talking, obviously, about the organization that I was affiliated with. And somehow, in the middle of my speech, I ended up filtering over to Warm the Heart, which is the nonprofit that my daughter and I co-created back in November of 2016 to help the homeless in the greater Toronto area. And as I'm speaking, the audience was just silent. And afterwards, someone came up to me and said, how can I start a warm the heart here in Ottawa? I inspired somebody to literally say, not only I want to help you, but I want to start a chapter here. And I thought, if I can speak and move somebody to the point of that from a nonprofit side of things, and I know that I have moved companies, you know, with rebranding and restructuring and revamping, then if I can do that for these big companies and I can do these for people I don't know, then it's something that gave me that confidence of I can do this for others. And when you come across confident in yourself, 
that inspires confidence from others towards you. Absolutely. And confidence comes from a thought, right? It's a feeling. And I love that you said that, you know, in in midlife, there's so many times that we get some kind of a wake up call. And sometimes it's a scary wake up call. And sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's what happened to you at that precise moment when you were speaking about your nonprofit. Sometimes a wake, I, I think of a wake up call as a pause. It's like something that just makes you go, whoa, or have a special insight. It's a pause. And with so many of us, we're so busy. We're not pausing. There's no pausing. There's just a bunch of crazy multitasking, right? So for some reason, that message got to you that day. You not only was it expressed, but you allowed it to go into your brain and you processed it. And so that was a wake up call that happened for you that kind of just made you look at the opportunity that you had. And I also felt when I got laid off, it was an opportunity. Um, And it kind of, you know, I wonder how long I would have stayed at that job without being laid off because I was already taken five years to be confused and (laughs) fearful. So I don't really don't know what would have happened. Five years um, is way too long. All right. Way too long. <laughs> oh my gosh, way too long. Yeah. So you had you recognized that you had to go. You trained your replacement. You had this other experience where you recognized that you probably do have the confidence you need to proceed. And then you went all in. And the thing I noticed was that you were really going all in. Like when we go all in, it takes a lot of action and a belief that this is going to happen no matter what. And I recognized in, in that in you, when I was watching you, know, you on Zoom, we met on Zoom, so you were in your little square, <laughs> as was I, but you were really talking about this business with a lot of confidence and that it was already done, like it was as good as done. So what do you think about that? Well, and I appreciate that. And <laughs> it's... Um... No. And I mean, now I've been told that, I mean, that was, oh my God, that was almost a year and a half ago um, that it's that, that we met, um, that I started doing this. And it's, um, as you get going, you know what I mean? Like you got this idea in your head, it forms, it's born. But then I feel strongly that in this life, if you don't continue moving forward and growing, you stagnate. Yep. And I know a lot of people that they are so stuck, their feet are in cement. And for me, I just want to keep going, you know, not quite walk on water, but not have cement shoes either. Um, um, It's it's so frustrating and so uncomfortable and miserable to be stuck. Oh, it's painful. And when it happened to me, that stuckness period, I remember it felt like an out-of-body experience. I was watching myself be miserable and stuck and was Mm -hmm. so confused about what to do about it. I didn't realize what I was actually afraid of. So I had no clarity of what I was actually thinking. And I had a wake-up call as well. And I have shared this on the podcast before. My wake-up call came at a weird place and it was in a needlepoint store. And so I was doing some needlepoint projects for my kids. I was a newbie to needlepoint. And I went into this store, which was absolutely beautiful. I had to drive, you know, drive to it. And there was a parking lot, like it was in like a business complex. And 
I walked in and the walls were covered in these tapestries and needlepoint canvases that were painted. And there was a whole wall of needlepoint thread that was so pretty with the colors. But what really caught my eye, first of all, was that there was a whole store that had needlepoint, but also that the ladies were so happy in there. The owner of the store was working with a group of women who were focusing on a tall table. They were all around it, standing up, carefully, carefully looking with lights and magnifying glasses at what they were being taught, which was some beading in needlepoint. And I thought to myself, oh my God, the owner of this store is doing what she loves. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm like, I want to be an owner of something who loves what she does. (laughs) And I thought I would have been an entrepreneur by now. What's going on? I mean, it was such a bonk on the head moment for me. So sometimes you get these wake up calls when you least expect them. And they're not always like, oh, my God, it's a heart attack or you have high cholesterol or like some weird diagnosis. A wake up call is not always a diagnosis. Like I said, sometimes it's just a big, giant insight. So your insight really propelled you forward. And then once you allowed yourself the permission to dream about the business you wanted to create, then what happened? Um, I'm still going. Like, I mean, we're still adding new partners. I'm, uh, I, I'm in negotiations right now with a couple of different accounting firms to be able to offer bookkeeping and accounting services under the CL umbrella. Um, I have aspirations of a second company and actually doing, um, you know, giving some of these recruiting agencies a run for their money and having full-time and part-time C-suite executive assistants, just like me, um, but maybe at a little more affordable prices than what these other you know companies are, are charging and undercut them a little bit um, in order to facilitate, obviously, a higher price point sale for myself. But at the same time, additionally, still that core value and wanting to help businesses grow and increase their you know bottom line is is in alliance with both businesses. So whether I decide to open up a second, you know, CL recruiting um, kind of thing is uh, is something that I am passionate about and being able to offer jobs to help the workforce. And um, so, no, it's it's not done. I'm still growing. I'm still listening to my clients. And when I hear them say, oh, I need a new logo done, or I'm wondering who's going to do my books, or, you know, I'm wondering about, I, I need another assistant myself um, in some other capacity other than what we offer. Um, I want to be there to help them through all those different things. And so if me or any of my teammates and joint venture partners can't help them, then I'm on the hunt for someone that can to join our team, join the CL umbrella and help the help us help more business owners. And I love the fact that because we're virtual, I've got clients in Canada and the US um, and a couple looking at me even in Australia and UK. And so it really doesn't matter where you are. If your business is online, then we're here to help. Yeah, it's super, super fun. So I remember you talked about a t-shirt that was really inspiring for you that said, work hard, dream big. And I love that because it seems like uh, this, the the series of events for you really has um, propelled you forward, like I said, into dreaming big. So now even dreaming about what else can you do with your skills, 
How else can you address client needs? You're getting ideas constantly and you're super excited. You know, that's one thing that strikes me about um, what it is like to be an entrepreneur and or a solopreneur in my case, and and just to be really genuinely excited about my next chapter. I mean, who would have thunk this is all in your 50s, you know, and, and yeah. I got laid off the year I turned 50. And I am more excited about how I'm able to make a contribution and how I'm showing up in the world, what my gift is, how I'm giving back, how I'm able to help. And the challenge of growing your own business is fun. I mean, it's a bit of a mystery sometimes too. (laughs) And sometimes it's hard for sure, but it's it's exciting. And so I never would have imagined that this is what I'd be dealing with at this age. And I get that same sense from you. Like when you're creatively finding these ideas, it's so great. It's just so much fun to dream about what is possible. So what advice would you give to somebody who is just feeling, I think I should go now. I think there's something else for me. I just think this is the time. What, what advice would you give? For me, um, I'm an overthinker. And so I started thinking about budgets and I started thinking about restrictions and I started thinking about, well, what do people say? And, you know, are they going to be offended if I leave or, you know, I'm, cause I'm, I was a people pleaser. That was me. Yeah. You know? Um, and then I thought about the definition of job and definition of career. And to me, a job is something you go to every day, you collect a paycheck, but a career is something that you're passionate about and that you want to get up in the morning and do. And you have that joy of doing every single day. And if you're stuck right now in a job and you don't light up inside, but you've got ideas on how you could be truly happy in your career, your chosen path, then I say stop thinking and follow your heart and go for it. Uh, and if you need the comfort of a blockum to spin on your desk to help you get your best <laughs> thoughts, I never know what the mic can pick up or not. So I don't know <laughs> if you can hear that. Um, yeah, but it's really something to even just think about what you can do on purpose versus what you're stuck doing. And that's not being stuck, but once you're stuck doing, a lot of times we feel like we don't even have a choice. And and what you're really talking about is you do have a choice. You don't have to settle. And as I always say, life is too short to waste time feeling stuck. It really is. Oh my gosh, Catherine, thank you so much for sharing your story. And how can somebody get a hold of you? That's easy. We're all over. We're very social people. I'm a very social person, but the company is very social. So um, we do have social pages on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and I am even on Clubhouse. Um, but you can uh, main site, go to clexecutivesolutions.ca and book that free 30 minute, no obligation appointment. And let's just chat. I am loving meeting new people. I'm loving bouncing ideas off of each other. And some amazing collaborations have come from those 30-minute consults. Oh, I love a free opportunity to chat. Why not, right? So this link will be in the show notes. Once again, thank you so much for sharing your story. I love how you just 
felt a little bit of fear, grabbed that confidence and dove in. It's so, so good. So thanks so much and all the best. Thank you so much, Susie. You too. Okay, that's it for this episode. I bet there was a lot in that interview that you could relate to. We all want to have a guarantee to feel really sure about what the next step is, but nothing in life is a guarantee. That is for sure. But believing that there's more out there for you and that it matters to be passionate and excited about your work, that really is foundational to your ability to navigate yourself forward to more happiness and fulfillment. It is so worth it. (laughs) Okay, so as you know, my focus as a midlife coach is to help you waste less time spinning and feeling stuck. This is what regret-proofing your life is all about. Remember, being the queen of your brain domain is the best way to be. And if you want to get unstuck and more clear about your next chapter than ever before, I can help. Check out the Women in the Middle Academy. It's my six-month coaching program to get the clarity and excitement in your life that you have been looking for. Don't waste another second feeling stuck. It is so boring to feel that way. (laughs) Book your momentum call and we will take it from there head over to www.womeninthemiddleacademy.com. For show notes and links, go to www.susierosenstein.com and click on the podcast tab to find the information about this episode, including the link to an awesome free gift called Top 10 Questions to Reimagine Your Life After 50. Let's do this, ladies. It's time for you to put yourself first, one thought at a time. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. 